Welcome everyone to this live podcast on Twitch where you can find news from the research industry that how our researchers keep on researching on various topics and domains to keep our lifestyle better and useful of course and this article posted on our website name postandish.com so if you are willing to check it out please check it out otherwise listening to this podcast will be enough for you guys as it's acts like an archive on the daily basis providing you the information from the research industry itself so let's get started without wasting any further time double trouble when two disaster strike electrical transmission infrastructure okay let's see one natural disaster can knock out electrical service to millions a new study suggests that back to back disaster could cause catastrophic damage but the research also identify new ways to monitor and maintain power grids researcher at the ohio state university have developed a machine learning model for predicting how susceptible overhead transmission lines are to damage when natural hazards like hurricanes or earthquakes happen in quick succession an essential facet of modern infrastructure steel transmission towers help send electricity across long distances by keeping overhead power lines far off the ground after severe damage failures in this system can disrupt networks across affected communities taking anywhere from few weeks or to months to fix The study published in the journal Earthquake Engineering and Structural Dynamics uses simulation to analyze what effect prior damage has no has on the performance of these towers once a second hazard strikes. The findings suggest that previous damage has a considerable impact on the fragility and reliability of these networks if it can can't uh, be repaired before the second hazard hit. Said Abdullah Shafiq Shafizade co-author of the study and assistant professor of civil environmental and geodetic engineering our work aims to answer if it's possible to design uh, and manage system in a way that not only minimizes their in- initial damage but enables them to recover faster said Shafia Zade The machine learning model not only found that a combination of an earthquake and hurricane could be particularly devastating to the electrical grid but that the order of the disaster may make a difference the researcher found that the probability of a tower collapse is much higher in the event of an earthquake followed by a hurricane than the probability of failure when the hurricane comes first and is followed by an earthquake that means while Communities would certainly suffer some setbacks in the event that a hurricane precedes an earthquake. A situation wherein an earthquake precedes an hurricane could devastate a region power grid. Such conclusions are why Shifat Zaydeh, Shafi Zaydeh research ha- has large implications for disaster recovery efforts. When large scale power grid systems are spread over large geographic areas it's not possible to carefully inspect every inch of them very carefully said Shafiz Zade predictive models uh, can help engineer or organization say which towers have the greatest probability of failure and quickly move to improve those issues in the field after training the model for numerous scenarios the team created fragility models that tested how the structure would hold up under different characteristics and intensities of natural threats with the help of this simulation researchers concluded the tower failures due to single hazardous event very vastly different from the pattern of failure caused by multi hazard events the study noted that many of these failings occurred in the leg elements of the structure a segment of the tower that help bolt the structure to the ground and prevents collapse overall 
Shafizade said his research shows a need to focus on re-evaluating the entire design philosophy of these networks. Yet to accomplish such as task much more important from utilities and government agencies is needed, of course. Our work would be greatly beneficial in creating new infrastructure regulation in the field. Shafiz Zadeh said this along with our other research shows that we can substantially improve the entire system performance with the same amount of resources that we spend today just by optimizing their allocation. Hmm. I mean, great man. Moving on to our next topic, a path to human-like machine intelligence. Okay, let's see. Artificial and machine intelligence are changing the way we live more and more each day. Manufacturing robots, self-driving cars, and virtual travel booking agents are just a few examples of how these technologies have permitted our world, according to John Paul, Associate Professor in Bradley, Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering. Even with the notable advancement in machine intelligence over the last few years, we have just begun to scratch the surface. To continue on the path to true machine intelligence, Paul has been awarded a National Science Foundation Award to investigate methods to design a computer architecture that emulates the way the human brain operates. The Virginia Tech faculty member, whose research focuses on brain-inspired computer architecture, is the sole principal investigator of the $400,000 project and hopes her to help lay the foundation for what could potentially be a revolutionary understanding of true machine intelligence. In its current form, artificial intelligence is a misnomer. No current form of computing is actual. Intelligent, said Paul, in order for true machine intelligence to come into being, it must exhibit common sense and creativity as these are required for general intelligence. The human brain can simultaneously process several incoming stimuli of different quality. A recent article in Nature explained that this level of information analysis is known as parallel processing, something that researchers have been trying to emulate in computing for quite some time. Paul's research focuses more specifically on another capability of the human brain tackling a paradox. So, what is a paradox? When it comes to information processing in the brain, it can be described as the brain way of accommodating conflict at the highest levels. According to Paul, when the human brain processes conflicting information it uses, parallelism to deal with uh, uncertainty uncertainty and ambu- uh, ambiguity provide the foundation for creativity in the, in the way we think creativity is the result of seeing things multiple different even contradictory ways said paul paradox is the quintessential uh, example of a contradiction so uh, we will research Algorithm architecture, solution to problems that produce completing result and understand how those can be accommodated and also continuously evolve and thus lay the foundation of creativity. One of the challenges of this research will be coming up with the fundamental problems to illustrate applicable concept. For this research, Paul is focusing on how the brain uses compartmentalization but also may access multiple compartments for the same set of inputs or the same situation. This ability may be the key to how the brain uses such high levels of parallelism while also accommodating ambiguity and conflict. An example would be when two bilingual people have a conversation. If one person speaks a single sentence that contains both French and English words, the sentence might be processed in separate region of the brain. One of each language, each corresponding region must conclude whether the sentence is French or English. However, the sentence is actually both and neither, said Paul. The listener must decide what uh, the speaker actually means, especially if there is phonetic uh, ambiguity in what is being said. 
said Paul. In doing so, they must resolve the conflict and the ambiguity all which, all while keeping their language center from becoming too large and inefficient, but better understanding the way the human brain processes information. Paul hopes uh, to apply those uh, same principles to computer architecture, leading to an understanding of the structural mechanism behind true machine intelligence. Machine and artificial intelligence still rely heavily on algorithms to make decisions, but following these rules doesn't, uh, does not produce a human-like result, as most of us have learned through trial and error. Most problems have more than one solution. Over the course of the three-year award cycle, Paul and general, uh, graduate student Isaac Bentham-Dorf will conduct experiments that feature problems with multiple algor uh, algorithmic solutions that are similar to what a person might encounter on a daily basis. Those algorithms will help form the basis of a high-level foundation for a new architecture capable of accommodating high degrees of parallelism and resolving conflict resolution. Bentendorf is currently pursuing a master of science in computer engineering. He enjoys the uh, challenges of this particular research and the new perspective it has given him as an embedded system engineer for the U.S. Navy at Dell Green. The research that I'm performing with Dr. Paul is providing fundamental new ways of looking at computing. It's an honor to work with her, said Benton Dorf. Developing technology for the Navy has provided me with a wide range of opportunities. I have developed and implemented solutions using both integrated circuit or microcontroller unit environments and have experienced many of the limitations addressed by the research and by Dr. Paul and me. In many ways, this has motivated me to uh, to take a step back to try and see the bigger picture and address these limitations from a different point of view. In addition to the research, Paul will create a magazine-style uh, article to educate audiences without STEM backgrounds. The article will focus on the difference between computer architecture and human intelligence by describing the future use of personal avatars and how they could one day be making decisions for us, especially if those avatars are capable of coming up with creative solutions to problems. The fundamental question are what is more exciting, what is most exciting, said Paul. I'm not an excited by applied research. For me, true research does not provide a tool or a solution so much as it provides a basis and stimulus to see things entirely differently. So these are the study given by uh, uh, given by our scientists on this time uh, ground so I mean great man moving on to our next topic new efficient phase change micro capsule for storing solar energy it's, uh, it is no news that society dependence on non-renewable fossil fuel has led to the, to the ongoing global energy and climate crisis. The emissions from coal, natural gas, and petroleum-based fuel are major contributors to air pollution and turn a global warming in society attempt to shift to a sustainable carbon-neutral energy income economy. Solar energy holds much promise abducted and eco-friendly solar energy if harnessed efficiently can reduce our dependence on conventional sources of energy. In this regard, fish uh, change material PCM substances will release absorb sufficient energy at phase transition in the form of latent heat to provide useful heating cooling are a popular candidate as solar energy storage devices studies have shown that a solar powered pcm based cooling system can reduce the ambient temperature by 30 degrees celsius unfortunately practical pcms suffer from le uh, linkage and corrosion issues moreover they show poor heat transfer properties owing uh, to low thermal conductivity while this can be solved by using metal pcms it makes the pcm costlier and bulkier, uh, bulkier. one way around this issue as studies have shown is to encapsulate 
the PCM in microcapsule with high conductivity fillers such as nanoparticles. This can protect them from the damaging effects of light, heat, moisture, and oxygen as well as improve the heat transfer properties. Additionally, many researchers have re uh, resorted to low-density non-metallic high thermal conductivity nanoparticles for this purpose, which avoid the issue of metallic nanoparticles. In a recent breakthrough, researchers from China and U.S. synthesized PMC microcapsules showing unprecedented photothermal conversion and heat transfer by using an octadecane ODE as a PCM code and a silicon carbide nanoparticle dope crosslink polystyrene uh, CLPS as the outer shells. Phase change microcapsule material have been the focus of our research. In a previous study, we found that a single organic shells has defects in thermal conductivity and stability while a single inorganic cell is not satisfactory in compactness and coverage. Therefore, we began to focus on doping organic shells with inorganic nanoparticles to obtain organic inorganic hybrid shells, explained Professor Jiffin Wang from Shangya Polytechnic University, China, one of the authors of the study, which was published online on September 29, 2022, in Energy Storage and Saving. In their work, uh, the team prepared a series of four microcapsules using a method called suspension polymerization. They then characterized the microcapsule using scanning, electron microscopy, energy dispersive, X-ray spectroscopy, and Fourier transform infrared spectroscopy. The result indicated that the microcapsule were spherical and the known as a mm, SI carbon, silicon carbon particles were embedded in the clip CLPS clips shells, aiding the heat transfer and photothermal conversion efficiency of the microcapsules. The team next uh, tested the thermal properties of the microcapsule and found that they showed superior photothermal conversion and thermal conductivity compared to the known dope samples among the four types of dope microcapsules, the one with 1.25 Weightage nano silicon carbon doping demonstrated the best performance with a 54.9% photothermal conversion efficiency, 146% higher its non dope counterpart. With uh, such encouraging results, the novel PCM microcapsule shells could provide a solid framework for further research on energy material with excellent solar energy storage and conversion efficiency. The study also opens new doors to practical application of multifunctional phase change microcapsules. These microcapsules can have significant potential application as energy storage materials in solar energy devices, intelligent thermal insulation equipment, and energy saving buildings. I mean, great man, great for the professor, great for the PCM students, and of course, you know, for the doctors, and it's going to be used in many bio-related things. And yes, moving on towards next topic: solid-state processing of surplus aluminium alloy powders. A project led by Dr. Simon Graham, a research associate, EPR or SRC, MAP, Future Manufacturing Hub, combines field assistant. Sintering technology first with hot rolling to convert surplus aluminum alloy powders from atomization into sheet material in two solid-state uh, solid uh, solid steps. Metal-adductive manufacturing AM techniques typically operate using powder with limited particle size ranges in the atomization process where the melted metal alloys are first refined and degassed then poured into a gas nozzle where the liquid material is disintegrated into metal power powder by a high pressure gas stream. Significant amounts of particles are produced outside of these ranges. This results in an accumulation of out of size specification metal powders without a clear use case. In addition to many other sintering methods have been found to be ineffective in the 
consolidation of aluminum powders. AM techniques are generally promoted as having reduced material wasted compared to conventional metallurgy where extensive machine uh, machining waste is generated but the as atomized particle size range is often overlooked as an issue. Business economics requires that alternative processes are utilized to convert these surplus powders into useful product to ensure that the AM market is cost effective and meets sustainably targets. This key factor informs the foundation of this research field assisted centering technology can provide an alternative solid state processing route to consolidate the surplus powder into bullets for subsequent processing. This enables the production of a useful product from this feedstock village also improving sustainability within the AM supply chain. This project goes a step further in combining fast with hot rolling to convert surplus aluminium alloy powders from atomization into sheet materials into solid state steps. Fosh can effectively consolidate the powder into full, fully dense billets which are then hot rolled into sheets. Through tensile testing, the result revealed that the properties output from this process were comparable to conventional material which is used in aerospace applications. Pre-existing research focused on fosh of metal powders has assisted in the development of this project. This uh, spurred a final year project, a final year student project designed by Dr. Garam and led by Alicia P Patel. Bang Aerospace Engineering student also assisted in the pro practical work in the early stage development of research direction prior to defining the project. Following the completion of this early stage research, the project has been built upon with a more streamlined direction which is led by Dr. Simon Graham. The works have also been informed by works carried out in Sheffield relating to the processing of titanium powders which are oversized of a laser powder bed fusion where methods of crossover were identified to be of relevance when reviewing existing literature only one paper has been published which specializes on hot rolled fosh produced pure aluminium previously published research on A20X alloy has only considered AM or cash material. It has been shown that FOSH uh, can rapidly consolidate aluminum alloy powders including A20X with a large particle size range into fully dense material the resulting 80mm diameter A20X FOSH were also successfully hot rolled from its uh, from their initial 15mm uh, thickness down to 2mm sheet although some later optimization is required to prevent edge uh, defects within the sheet some conventional cast A20X material with the same starting dimension were also hot rolled under the same conditions tensile testing showed that before and after the heat treatment the fast material exhibited similar property to the cast and were comparable to other aluminum sheet used in aerospace application this finding was presented by dr simon graham at world pm 2022 conference in a keynote titled solid state processing of surplus aluminum alloy powders through a combination of field assisted centering technology and hot rolling the result what a promising step in creating high performance sheet material from surplus aluminum alloy powders with some further optimization and scale up required. The outcome of this project has demonstrated that there is a viable processing route to convert surplus alloy powders into sheet material with a good mechanical properties although the long term positive positive impacts cannot be quantified at this stage there are clear economic impacts these economic benefits relate to new revenue streams for atomizers as well as potential cost reduction of powders for am the next step involved completing further rolling trials to optimizing the processing and produce 
higher quality of sheet product these sheets can also be extended in the starting phases in a bid uh, to produce larger sheets as an output which further demonstrates scale up opportunities super plastic forming of the sheet material could also be considered to produce near net shape components so these are the study these are the findings given on the solid state processing of surplus amount of uh, energy in the mechanical properties and of course in going to be used in various applications so yep moving on to our next topic not keeping up with the jones the one factor that makes up less likely to emulate our neighbors on climate action hmm okay about 30% of australian homes have rooftop solar panel installed the uh, highest uptake of any nation the uh, their popularity has been helped along by government subsidies that reduce the upfront cost of the technology but these subsidies may not always have a positive climate impact while people uh, like to keep up with the jones on climate action by my recent research suggests uh, this is not uh, always the case when large uh, solar subsidies are being offered it found if some if someone is uh, perceived as having installed solar panels primarily for a financial benefit their non solar neighbors may actually be detracted from reducing their own climate impact such as by signing up for so called green retail electricity electricity schemes subsidies are often a policy go to for governments wanting to encourage more climate friendly behaviors but my finding indicate they should be used with caution a spotlight uh, on bad behavior examining subsidies for rooftop solar system is valuable because it can tell us about consumer behavior more broadly for the past 20 years or so state and federal governments have subsidized the cost of installing rooftop solar by offering a range of rebates and other financial incentives to consumers in recent years these subsidies have fallen in part because the cost of technology has become so cheap that consumer can recoup the cost fairly quickly through reduced power bills but some subsidy for rooftops solar and home batteries still exist some governments also apply them to energy efficient measures and electric vehicles some so uh, subsidies uh, come at great cost to the public purse so well, they will help australia reach its emission reduction targets my research suggests in some cases they can be counterproductive signing up from green power neighbors influence each other behavior living near lots of homes with solar panels can change people believe about the signs of climate change it can it also make people more likely to install solar panel on their home on home however research focus on water consumption conservation suggests that a uh, peer pressure effect is muted if the behavior uh, change doesn't also come with a financial benefit the remain gaps in our understanding of how neighbors influence each other energy use for example we don't know if installing solar panel influences the energy behavior of people who can't install panel because say they live in an apartment my research examined the uptake of green power to help us close the advent uh, the knowledge gap green power is a government aggregated electricity generated by renewable sources and on offered for sale to consumers like installing solar panel green power can be considered a public good in that it helps tackle climate change but green power is not subsidized and is not visible to neighbors and user also don't get the financial benefit for selling surplus electricity from rooftop solar back to the grid the number of green power users in australia has fallen dramatically in recent years from about 1 million customer in 2009 to 100000 in 2019 Much of this may be explained by people switching to rooftop solar during that period but it 
uh, was also possible that rooftop solar installation were influencing decision by non-solar neighbors of whether to sign up to green power schemes. My research aimed to distinguish between these possibilities what the research found. I studied the electricity plan choices of about 300,000 300, customers in Victoria from 2009 to 2016. I matched each contract to the number of solar panels installed in the postcode. In the quarter, the contract was signed. I found an average solar panel installation increased the number of non-solar homes purchasing green power, but economic incentives like subsidies actually reduce the PR effect. During periods of high solar subsidies, an additional 1,000 homes with solar panels reduced the share of green power contracts by 0.08 or 400 for every 5,000 new electricity contracts taken out by non-solar customers. During period of low uh, solar subsidies, an additional 1,000 homes with solar panels increased the share of green power contract by 0.02 or 100 of every 5,000 new electric contracts. This suggests economic incentive compromise the signal that a neighbor is acting in the public good and so reduce pressure on neighbors to follow, to follow their lead. Of course. This may uh, this may then mean behavior neighbors feel less pressure to address their own electricity related greenhouse emission by purchasing green power or taking other climate friendly measures. Other factors are also likely to have contributed to the decline in the popularity of green power. This includes its cost relative to electricity from other sources and debate uh, around the introduction and removal of Australia carbon price. I mean, great man. Proceed with care. Subsidies affect technology adaptation and subsidies for green technology such as solar panels do ca uh, lower carbon emissions. But subsidies also have indirect effects that must be considered when thinking about the cost and benefit of various policy options. Alternatives to these subsidies exist. This include an economic-wide price on carbon emission, ceiling on vehicles, and mandatory renewable energy targets. This policy option could avoid the downside of subsidy to consumers. I mean, it's great and uh, it's being used for many in the energy storage and uh, for making the electricity and various application to store the energy and break the difference uh, between the local uh, local people to the uh, to the scientists. So I mean, great man, great uh, great finding, great research. Moving on to our next topic. Deprogrammable materials selectively self-assemble. Uh, While automotive manufacturing is ubiquitous today, it was once a nascent field both birthed by inv invest inventors such as Oliver Evans, who is credited with creating the first, first fully automated industrial process. In floor mill, he built and graduated automated in the late 1700s. The process for creating automated structure or machine are still very top-down requiring human factories or robots to do the assembling and making. However, the way nature does assembly is ubiquitously bottom-up animals and plants are self-assembled at a cellular level, relying on protein to self fold into target geometries that encode all the different functions that keep us uh, tickling for more uh, binds while bottom-up approach to assembly than human architecture materials need to be uh, need to do better on their own making them scalable selective and remote programmable in a way that can mimic nature versatility means some teething problems, though. 
now researcher from mit computer science and artificial intelligence laboratory cell have attempted to get over these growing pains with a new method introducing magnetically reprogrammable material that they caught different parts uh, with uh, like robotic cubes to let uh, them self assemble key to this process is a way to make these magnetic prog- programs highly selective about what they connect with enabling robots self assembly into specific shape and chosen configurations the soft magnetic material coating the researcher used sold from nxp nxp expensive refrigerator magnets indoors each of the cube they built with a magnetic signature on each of its faces the signature ensured that each face is selectively attractive to only one other face from all other cubes in both translation and rotation all of the cubes which run for about 23 cents can be magnetically programmed at a very fine resolution once they are tossed into a water tank they use eight cube for a demo with a totally random disturbance you could even just shake them in a box they will bump into each other if they meet on the wrong bed they will drop off but if they find the suitable mate they will attach an analogy would be think of a set of of furniture parts that you need to assemble into a chair traditionally you need you needed uh, you need a set of instruction to manually assemble parts into a chair a top down pro- uh, approach of course man but using the research method these some uh, parts once a program mag- magnetically would self assemble into the chair using uh, just a random instrument that makes them collide without the signature this rendered however the chair would assemble with its legs in the wrong places okay man this work is a step forward in terms of resolution cost and efficiency with which we can self assemble particular structures says martin nisard a phd student in mit department of electrical engineering and computer science eecs and affiliate of cell and the lead author on a new paper about the system Prior work is a self-assembly has typically required individual parts to be geometrically dissim- dissimilar just like puzzles or uh, pieces which require individual fabrication of all the parts using magnetic programs. However, we can bulk manufacture homogeneous parts and program them to acquire specific target structures and importantly reprogram them to acquire new shapes later on which on without having to refabricate the parts anew using the team magnetic plotting machine one uh, can take a cube back into the plotter and reprogram it every time the plotter touches in the material it creates either a north or south oriented magnetic pixel on the cube soft magnetic coating letting the cubes be repurposed to assemble new target shapes when required before plotting or search algorithm to check each signature for mutual compatibility with all previously programmed signature to ensure they are selective enough for successful self assembly with self assembly you can go their passive or active route with active assembly robotic parts modulate their behavior online to locate position and bond to their neighbors and each module needs to be embedded with hardware for the computation sensing and actuation required to self assemble themselves what's more a human or a computer is needed in the loop to actively control the actuator embedded in each part to make it move while active assembly has been successfully in reconfiguring a variety of robotic systems the cost and complexity of the electronics and actuators have been a significant barrier to scaling self-assembly hardware up in neighbors and down in size with a passive method like this researcher there is no need of embedded actuation and control once programmed and set free under a random disturbance that gives them uh, the energy to collide with one another they are 
on their own uh, to shape shift without any guiding intelligence if we want a structure built from hundreds or thousands of, of parts like a ladder or bridge for example you wouldn't want to manufacture million uniquely different parts or to have uh, to remanufacture them when you need a second structure assembled the trick the team used towards this goal lies in the mathematical description of the magnetic signature which describes each signature as a 2D matrix of pixels. This matrix ensures that any magnetically programmed part that shouldn't connect or will interact to produce just as many pixels in attraction as those in re repulsion, letting them remain agnostic to all non mating parts in both translation and rotation while the system is currently good enough to do self-assembly using a handful of, of cubes the team wants to further develop the mathematical description of the signature in particular they want to leverage design hero sides that would enable assembly with very large numbers of cubes while avoiding computationally expensive search algorithms Self-assembly processors are ubiquitous in nature, leading to the incredible complex and beautiful life we see all around us, says Hart Lipson, the James and Sally Scapa Professor of Innovation at Columbia University, who was not involved in, in the paper, but the underpinnings of self-assembly have baffled engineers how do, uh, how do two protein distant uh, to join find each other in a soup of billions of other proteins. Lacking the answer, we have been able to self-assemble on a relatively simple st structure so far. In result to top-down manufacturing for the rush, this paper goes a long way to answer this question, proposing a new way in which self-assembly building blocks can find each other. Hopefully, this will allow us to begin climbing the ladder of self-assembled complexity. Moving on to our next topic, engineer develops sensor for face mask or dead help gauge fit. Okay, man, let's see. Wearing a mask uh, can help prevent the spread of viruses such as SARS-CoV-2, but a mask effectiveness depends on how well it fits. Currently, there are no simple ways to measure the fit of a mask, but a new sensor developed at MIT could make it much easier to ensure a good fit. The sensor which measures physically contact between the mask and weird, weird fa uh, face can be applied to any kind of mask using the, uh, this sensor. The researcher analyzed the fit of a surgical mask on male and female subjects and found that overall the mask fit women faces much uh, less closely than they fit men faces. When we realized by analyzing our collected data from the individual in the study was that the masks uh, that we use in daily life are not very suitable for female participants, says Canon Dag Devrin, the LG career, career development professor of media arts and science at MIT and the corresponding author of the study. The researcher hoped that their sensor will help people to find masks that fit them better and, uh, and that designers could use to create masks that fit a wide variety of face, shapes and sizes. The sensor can also be used to monitor vital signs such as breathing rate and temperature as well as environmental conditions such as humidity. The study is a collaboration between Dag Davidian Lab, Siki Zhang, the STL champion professor of urban real estate, sustainability in the Department of Urban Studies and Planning, and the Togla Durok, managing director of MIT Environment Health and Safety Program, Jin Hun Kim, MIT postdoc, is the lead author of the paper, which appears today in Nature Electronics. Moving on to this next topic. Fit quality. The researcher began working on this project become before mask wearing become more common during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Their original intention was to use censored, embedded in masks uh, to measure the effectiveness of masks wearing in areas with high level of air pollution. However, once the pandemic started, they realized that such a censored could help could have more widespread applications. With so many different kinds of masks available during the pandemic, the researcher thought this kind of sensor could be useful to help individuals find the best fitting mask for them. Currently, the only way to measure mask fit is to use a machine called a mask fit tester, which evaluates the mask fit by comparing air particle concentration inside and outside of the face mask. However, this type of machine is only available in specialized facilities such as hospitals, which use them to evaluate most fit to for healthcare workers. The MIT team wanted to create a more user-friendly portable device to measure mass fit. Dag Debrian Lab, the conformable decoders group specializing in developing flexible, stretchable electronic that can be warm on the skin or incorporated into textile to detect signal from the body. In this project, we wanted to monitor both biological and environmental conditions simultaneously such as breathing patterns, skin temperature, human activity, temperature and humidity, humidity inside the face mask, the position of the mask including whether people are wearing it properly or not. Kim says, we also want to check the uh, fit quality to integrate their sensor into face mask. The researcher created a device that they call a conformable multi-model sensor face, uh, face mask, C-mask sensor that measures a variety of parameters are embedded in a flexible polymer frame that can be reversibly attached to the inside of any mass around the edges. To measure fit, uh, the CMOS has uh, 17 sensors around the edge of the mass that measure com uh, capacitance uh, which can be used to determine whether the mask is touching the skin at each of those locations. The CMOS interface also has sensors that measure temperature, humidity and air pressure which can uh, which uh, can detect activities such as speaking and coughing and accelerometer within the device can reveal if the order is moving around all of the sensors are embedded into a biocompatible polymer called polymide which is used in medi medical implants such as stents the researcher tested the CMOS interface in a group of five men and five women, all of the subjects wore surgical masks and the researcher monitored the reading from the sensor as the participants performed a variety of activities such as speaking, walking and running. They also tested the sensor in a variety of temperature conditions. Using data obtained by the capacitance sensor, the researchers created a machine learning algorithm to calculate mass fit quality for each subject in the study. The measurement revealed that mass fit was significantly more worse for uh, women than men due to gender related differences in face shape and size however uh, uh, the fit for women could be improved slightly by wearing smaller surgical masks the uh, researcher also found that mask fit co uh, quality was low for one of the male subjects who uh, had a beard which uh, created gaps between the mask and the skin to verify this result, the researcher also collaborated with the MIT Environment Health and Safety Office on the design and evaluation of the field and found that the field results for each study participant were very similar to what they found using the C-mask. Customized field. Okay. The researcher hoped that uh, their findings will encourage mask manufacturers to design masks that uh, fit a variety of face shapes and sizes, especially women faces. Dag Darwin Lab is planning to work on mass production and large scale development of the CMOS interface. We hope to think about ways to design mass and come up with the best fit for individuals. Dag Darwin says, We have different sizes for shoes, and you can even customize your shoes. So, why we can't uh, you customize and design your mask for? your own health and for societal benefit. 
The researchers also hope to return to the original idea of studying the effects of air pollution on people who work outside. And technology can really help to quantify the social cost of these environmental hazards and also to measure the benefit of any kind of policy intervention sanctions. I mean, great man, great. Moving on to our next topic. New data transmission record set using a single laser and a single chip, sorry, single optical chip. An international group of researchers from Technical University of Denmark, DTU, and the Calvary University of Technology in Gothenburg, Sweden, have achieved dazzling data transmission speed and are the first in the world to transmit more than one petabyte, petabit per second p-bits using only a single laser and a single optical chip when petabit correspond to 1 million gigabits. In the experiment, the researchers succeeded in transmitting 1.8 p-bit which correspond to twice the total global internet traffic and only carried by the light from, an, from one optical source. The light source is a custom designed optical chip which uh, can use the light from a single infrared laser to create a rainbow spectrum of many colors that is many frequencies. Thus, the one frequency color of a single laser can be multiplied into hundreds of frequency colors in a single chip. All the colors are fixed at a specific frequency distance from each other, just like the teeth on a comb, which is why it is, uh, it is called a frequency comb. Each color of frequency can then be isolated and used to imprint data. The frequency can then be reassembled and sent over an optical fiber, thus uh, transmitting data, even a huge volume of data as the researchers have discovered. One single laser can replace thousands. The experimental demonstration showed that a single chip could easily carry 1.8 bits, which uh, with the Contemporary shared of the art, commercial equipment would otherwise require more than 1,000 lasers. Victor Torres, company professor at Calmers University of Technology, is head of the research group that has developed and manufactured the chip. What is special about this chip is that it produces a frequency comb with ideal characteristics for fiber optical communication. It has optical it has high optical power and covers a broad bandwidth within the spectral region that is interesting for advanced optical communication, says Victor Torres company. Interestingly enough, the chip was not optimized for the particular application. In fact, some of the characteristic parameters were achieved by coincidence and not by design says Victor Torres company. However, with the efforts in many in my team, we are now capable to reverse engineer the process and achieve with high reproductibility micro comms for target application in telecommunications. The most potential for scaling in addition the researcher created a computational model to examine theoretical the fundamental potential for data transmission with a single chip identical to one to the one used in the experiment, the calculation showed enormous potential for scaling up the solution. Professor Lev Kutso and Ozen Lowe, head of the Center of Excellence for Silicon Photonics for Optical Communication, spoke at DTU says, Our calculation says that with a single chip made by Calmer's University of Technology and a single laser, we will be able to transmit up to 100 pbits. The reason of, of, of for this is that our solution is scalable both in terms of creating many frequency and in terms of splitting the frequency comb into many spatial co copies and then optically amplifying them and using them as parallel sources with which uh, we can transmit data. Although the comb's copies must be amplified, we do uh, we do not lose the qualities of the comb which we utilize for spectral efficient data transmission. So these are the study given by our researcher on the new data transmission record by sorry guys sorry I mean I mean I mean so hurry so really sorry I mean uh, there is a lot more in this article so read it. This is how you pack light with data Packing light with data is known as modulation, of course. 
Here the wave properties of light are utilized such as amplitude, the height, uh, strength, the height, strength of the waves, phase, the rhythm of the waves, where it is possible to make a shift so that a wave arises either a little earlier or a uh, little later than expected. Polarization, the direction in which the waves spread. By changing these properties, you create signals. The si uh, signals can be translated into either ones or zeros and th thus utilized as data signals. Reduce in in internet uh, power consumption. The researcher solution boards well for the future power consumption of the internet. In other words, our solution provides a potential for replacing hundreds of, of thousands of the laser located in internet hubs and data centers, all of which guzzle power and generate heat. We have an opportunity to contribute to achieving an internet that leaves a smaller climate footprint, says Lev Kyutsu Ozenlow. Even though the researcher have broken the petabit barrier for a single laser source and a single gem in, in their demonstration, there is still some development work ahead before the solution can be implemented in our uh, current communication system, according to Lev Kutsio. Oz and love all over the world. Work is being done to integrate the laser source in the optical chip, and we are working on that as well. The more component uh, we can integrate in the chip, the more efficient the whole transmitter will be. That is, laser com creating chip, data modulators, and any amplifier elements. It will be extremely efficient. Optical transmitter of data signals says Lev Kutso Oz and love. The research is published in Nature Photonics. <laughs> Moving on towards next topic. Oh, human vision, a challenge for AI. Of course, man. So let's see, I mean, what's uh, author trying to tell us. Achieving diversity in human vision is one of the major challenges for AI research. In the vast majority of our cases, we are better than machines at understanding the world around us. But machines are catching up slowly but surely. Within a single day, we humans can go from driving a car to drive uh, to free driving and continue to reading the newspaper and navigating a dense forest all without a great deal of effort. For a robot doing the same thing would currently be impossible, says Mikhail Felsberg, professor at Linkoping. University and one of the Sweden foremost researchers in computer vision and artificial intelligence air. That we humans, we do all this and much more is largely due to vision. Estimates says that some 80% of our impression reaches us by way of our vision. It is a single most important sense for preserving what happened around us. Mikhail Felsberg research focuses mainly on what is called the artificial visual system, where the aim is to get computer to see as well as human do. Biological systems simply work. Humans are remarkably skilled in general perception and analysis skills uh, we want to emulate in computers. Today we can build technical system uh, that are good at doing a particular task such as self-driving uh, vehicles but if in the future we want to be able to collaborate with robots they must be able to see and understand exactly what we see says Mikhail Felsberg imitating human vision human vision uh, might seem uh, easy at first glance when your research began the feeling was uh, that computer vision would be solved with single camera, maybe a project for the summer break. Now, almost 60 years later, general computer vision has developed into one of the most salient features, salient challenges in air research. The code is the brain. Mikhail Felsberg and his co-workers test many of the solutions they develop in the vision laboratory on campus Vela in Linkoping. For instance, between the huge glass walls, autonomous drones and small self-driving cars equipped, equipped with advanced sensors and cameras are test-driven. But the uh, actual brain in the computer vision is behind the lens. The camera is just a light sensor. It can't, can't do anything else. The actual work is done by the code, the software behind the camera, of course.
the camera is just a light sensor yes it can't do anything else of course the actual work is done by the code and the software behind the camera yes it's the uh, it's the same with people the eye registers the light and the brain does the work says mikhail felsberg there have been many attempts to emulate the human brain with varying results today a method of machine learning called deep learning is usually is usually used but uh, simply it means that the computer learns it models organized in neural networks from large amounts of data the algorithm are fed with huge amounts of data which are analyzed on several levels this might uh, sound complicated and it is the truth is that no one can say exactly what happens in every activation in a deep network mikhail felsberg draws parallels to the human brain on a brain scan you can see which parts of the brain are active during different stimuli but we still don't know where what actually happens and how a thought is formed in the brain deep learning works is a somewhat similar way we see that it works but not how it works in detail he says the way forward but why is it uh, is it so difficult for a computer see to see what we see the answer lies in our ability to rapidly adapt to different uh, situations and the feedback loop between our perception of our surroundings and our constantly active cognitive ability looking out uh, through a dirty window pane is an everyday example of a situation where computers struggle but we humans manage firmly we see immediately what's going on outside the window despite our slightly obstructed vision on the other hand a computer will first auto focus on the dirt on the plane but once it has found the right focus on the scene outside it still want to fully understand what is happening because some of the view is blocked by the dirt of course man still there uh, are areas where computer already see better than humans in particular when it comes to exact calculation and assessment of distances temperature and patterns in these cases computer vision can complement our own vision rather than draws its own conclusion and act on them a technical system work well as long as everything is as expected but faced with something unexpected it will have problems we must work to make the system more robust says michael felsberg but developing software that can surpass the flexibility of human vision takes time and according to mikhail felsberg research may uh, must take time if it is so so to be robust science is a process and every new research article adds uh, another little piece to a massive puzzle breakthroughs that give research a huge leap forward are very rare general situational awareness in a computer could possibly exist in our lifetime but creating the link between cognition and general situational awareness in a computer is probably very far off in the future says mikhail felsberg once a general computer vision exists he believes uh, there will be many different application example social robots are safer autonomous vehicles and more efficient production of course man but ai is not uncontroversial many field of use risk encroaching and individual privacy when large volumes of personal data are processed for this reason mikhail felsberg and his research team are focusing on how ai can uh, give better insight into how we prevent additional climate change climate change is one of the humanity greatest threats using advanced computer vision we will be able to rapidly analyze large tracts of land and their importance for the climate what would take human several years to map out manually could potentially be finished in a few weeks with the help of ai so these are the thing these are the study on the human vision challenge for the ai by the mikhail felsberg moving on to our next topic australia flags new corporate penalty for privacy breaches <laughs> it's a news so let's read it 
Australia considered a proposed tougher penalty for companies that fail to protect customer personal data after two major cyber security breaches left millions vulnerable to criminals. Of course, man. The penalty for serial breaches of the Privacy Act would increase from 2.2 million Australian dollars, 1.4 million now to AU 50 million, 32 million dollars under amendments to be introduced to Parliament next week, Attorney uh, General Mark uh, Driffuse said a company could also be fined the value of 30% of its revenue over a defined period if that amount exceeds AU $50 million, $32 million. Driffuse said big companies could face penalties up to hundreds of millions of dollars under the new law. It is a very new substantial increase in the uh, in the penalties, Drefus told reporters. It is designed to make companies think. It is designed to be a deterrent so that companies will protect the data of Australians. He added, Parliament resumed on Tuesday for the first time since mid-September. Since Parliament last said, unknown hackers stole personal data from 9.8 million customers of Op- Optus, Australia's second-largest wireless telecommunication carrier, the theft has left more than one-third of Australia population at heightened risk of identity theft and fraud. And on cybercriminal this week demanded ransom from Australia's largest health insurer, Medibank, after uh, claiming to have uh, stolen 200 gigabytes of customer data, including medical diagnosis and treatment, Medibank has uh, 3.7 million customers. The company said the hackers had proved they hold the personal data for at least 100. The thieves have re- reportedly threatened to make uh, public medical condition of high-profile Medibank customers. Uh, Dreyfus uh, said both uh, breaches have shown existing safeguards are inadequate as well as failing to protect personal information. The government is concerned that companies are unnecessarily holding too much customer data for too long in the hope of monetizing the dead information. We need to make sure that when a data breach occurs, the penalty is large enough that it's really serious penalty on the company and can't just be disregarded or ignored or just paid as a part of a cost of doing business, Dreyfus uh, said. Dreyfus hopes that the proposed amendments will become law in the, uh, in the final four weeks that Parliament will sit this year. Any new uh, penalties will uh, not be retroactive and will not affect op- Optos or Medibank. So these are the, I mean, penalties charged on the corporate uh, who's not able to secure their data or secure their user data from the cybersecurity uh, expect. I mean, it's a great uh, and it's an important thing right now because many, uh, many cybersecurity attacks going on in the world on the different authority and on different com- uh, countries. So I mean it's a it's a good initiative by the Australian government on this aspect. So yep. At last I just wanna say you guys keep researching, stay curious, stay healthy.